Mass. Is there a method to the madness? Hi, I'm Mike Mason. This is St. Joe's Society Podcast. St. Joe's Society is a Catholic lay apostolate devoted to help men order all things to Christ as they grow strong in mind, body, and spirit. If you'd like to check out more about us, you can see it us online at stjosociety.org. This is episode 27 of the St. Joseph Boot Camp, and I'm here again week three uh, with Father Henry Hoffman out of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Uh, we've had two really awesome discussions the last couple weeks, it's and uh, this week we're going to turn our attention to the Mass itself. Um, and when I thought about discussing the Mass, the first thing I thought was this. Okay, let's say I'm at work, okay? Let's say, you know, I've had opportunities to talk about my faith. Monday morning, people ask what I did this weekend. And I say, well, you know, took the family to mass. And let's say I have a non-Catholic coworker that mm-hmm. I've, you know, had an opportunity to share kind of the beauty of our faith and the, the joy of a, a Sunday liturgy and everything around it. And let's say they wanted to come attend. What would, what would I tell them? Sure. Well, for starters, maybe good luck, <laughs> you know, because the mass, it, it's an interesting thing. It's, I think people feel a kind of natural hesitancy to invite other people to mass. Hmm. Um, And there's, there's kind of, they they sort of instinctively, instinctively feel there's a sort of barrier there. They like, how do I bring my friend to mass? Like, Hmm. and part of it is probably that they don't really know what's going on themselves to a large degree. Hmm. And so then they don't feel confident in sharing it. But part of it also, I think, is that that's not exactly what the mass is for. So we talked about, was it two weeks ago, about what the liturgy is and what the Mass in particular is, and the Mass is a sacrifice. And sacrifice is offered by people who believe. Uh, Sacrifice and faith are really connected to each other. And so uh, in the ancient church, there was a practice of making sure that only people who believed were present at Mass. It was called the discipline of the secrets. And in Mm. fact, prayers like the Our Father wouldn't even be said out loud among uh, people who weren't Catholic because it was kind of a secret thing that was reserved for those who knew. Um, Not in the sense that they didn't want to make more converts, (laughs) but the early Christians made converts through works of charity, you know, Mm. through working in hospitals. Hospitals were actually the first invented by Christians. Um, And so that's how converts were made. And then they were slowly initiated into the mysteries. And then finally they could attend mass. And obviously it's not quite like that today, but there is a kind of inherent difficulty in bringing people to come to make a sacrifice that they don't believe in. Um, And so that, that does kind of make it an interesting project to bring a friend to mass. And so I think that it's, it's good to focus on like what you said at the beginning, you've had conversations with him about the beauty of the faith and the joy of a Sunday lived out fully as a Christian and all that good stuff. And then, yeah, it's it, so it's an interesting thing to try to do. And if you're going to do it, you should probably know what the different parts of the mass are, yeah. right? And what what the reason is for everything. And not just be like, oh, it's a rigmarole where we stand up and we sit down and then we kneel yeah. down and then we stand up again and then we kneel down again, right? Yeah. You know, like, so that's, that's not a very good introduction, right? But that's maybe at best what most people think. Uh, and so... If you got to understand, like, why why do you sit here? Why do you stand there? Why do you kneel there? All that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really, that's really helpful because the first week we discussed, it, when you're talking about the fact that it's a, it's a public act of worship, it's a mm-hmm. public work to God, what was going through my mind then was, but it's also this, inter- it's this interior special occasion too. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's like there's a tension there where it's, it's public because the gospel is public and Christ wants to save the whole world. But on the other hand, it's also 
a private event in some way. So there's a little bit of tension there and that was really helpful. Um, so when I'm sharing, you know, let's say I'm sharing with my coworker, I bring them in. What I'm aware of is I, I know there's two parts mm-hmm. and the, the first part kind of ends. You have, I'll have a homily and then we'll say the creed together. And I do, I'm aware that there's a second part coming. Um, those are the basic two divisions I know of. Is that kind of all there is? Is it the, the two part breakup? Sure. Where sure. it's at? Yeah. And that's interesting. And that kind of point, that two part division kind of comes from the ancient Christian practice that I was talking about, uh, mm-hmm. because the first part is a kind of preparation part and it focuses kind of more on teaching. And so at that point, uh, if there are people in the church that are going through the process of RCIA or some kind yeah. of conversion, oftentimes they are dismissed after that part That's right. to continue teaching. Um, and then the next part of the mass is a sacrifice proper. And so it, there is that basic twofold division. There's the kind of the preparation for the sacrifice and then the sacrifice itself. Gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah. That, and that makes a lot of sense because you always see that, especially during Lent, you'll see everybody get up and move out a lot. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I mean, which ho- could look like you got a lot really of people. Rude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. You definitely take that the wrong way. So, <laughs> but, okay. So we've entered in, I'm in my mm-hmm. pew. We talked last week how to approach. So right. I'm in my pew. Okay. We're in the first part. Right. What's, what's yeah. going to happen next? So the first thing that happens is something that people maybe overlook the significance of, and that's the priest coming in. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why the priest should process in and then process out at, again at the end. Um, that it may be easy to take for granted because that's what always happens. And that's what you always see. But there's a reason why he does that as opposed to just like hanging out and talking to people and be like, okay, everybody, let's get started. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Right? So he processes in. And that is a symbol of like God leading his people out of Egypt, Jesus leading us Mm -hmm. into the resurrection. I am the way there's a journey, there's movement, there's a procession. And so that's the first thing that you see. So that can remind you of all kinds of different things of our journey through life of the God's people leaving the slave of Egypt to the freedom of the promised land and the progress that all of us are called to make in the moral life from the beginning through the stages to the end. So it begins with a procession, and that's a significant point that's easy to overlook if you see it every week, uh, but it's good to keep in mind that there is a symbolism there. And then the priest will walk up the steps to the altar, again, significance to the steps. The altar itself represents Christ, and so he kisses the altar to express Mm -hmm. his union uh, with Christ, and then he begins typically in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, that, the cross, is the sign of our salvation. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the Trinity, and we become part of that. So that's how it begins. And then usually there's a confession of sins right after that. Right. So right away, we acknowledge our own unworthiness. But we become worthy by acknowledging our unworthiness. And so uh, the priest might say something like, let us call to minds our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate these sacred mysteries. That's typically what guys will hear at the beginning of mass. And so we call to mind our own unworthiness and that prepares us to worthily celebrate the mysteries. Is it is a kind of a way of almost creating a vacuum in yourself? Is as you say, I'm not worthy and you're confessing these sins, it creates this vacuum that God can then fill. Is that a, a fair way to think about it? Or is that not quite what you're getting at? Yeah, uh, maybe. I, I would use a different word than vacuum probably, but like a, a, a self-emptying, not so, yeah, vacuum calls to mind like a, a enclosed emptiness, mm-hmm. but instead it's like an, an opening up gotcha. so for God to fill. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, that's the, I think that's the basic idea there is Great. that you, you kind of set aside the past, 
move to the future, mm. um, open yourself up to be changed by God and recognize that you are entering into the presence of mysteries, which are real things that you can't see. Wow. Beautiful. Now at that point, we're going to be moving into the second part of the first part, so to speak. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so now we're looking more, I guess we're looking more like fourths um, to the mass. Yeah. <laughs> would this then be to the readings and homily in this part? Yeah. What would yeah. we expect then? So now that we're prepared, we've given God space to work. He is working through us now. We're mm -hmm. leaving the past behind, moving towards the future. What happens next? Yeah. Well, let me pause just for a second, because after the confession of sins, there would be the singing of praise to God for the Gloria. Mm -hmm. That will change based on the liturgical year. So that's one way of telling what season of the year that we're in. And then there's the collect or the opening prayer. And that's called the collect because it collects all of the people's prayers. And so it's the prayer of the church. And it's good to study those ahead of time and to look at them um, and, uh, and then to kind of unite your prayer to that. Because the idea is it collects all of our prayers, all the desires of our hearts into one. Gotcha. And offer, the priest offers that to God. So then, yeah, as you're, you're right, after that would be the readings. And those are the, the colic could be something that's different each week. Yeah. So you're correct, saying that would be correct. a good, maybe a habit a guy gets into the night before mass or that morning to kind of go mm -hmm. through those as preparation. Yeah. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. So we're in the readings now. How, how's that work? Yeah. So the readings, uh, there are a couple cycles. If you go to the traditional Latin mass, there'll be a one year cycle. So each of the readings will be repeated mm -hmm. one year. If you go to the English mass, there'll be a three year cycle. Okay. And the first reading and the gospel are usually connected by some kind of theme. And the second reading is a cycle of readings through the New Testament. Okay. So there's Old Testament, then New Testament, and then Gospel. And uh, they're, they're chosen with that kind of connection in mind. So there's a cycle where the Old Testament, the first reading, and the Gospel are connected. And then the New Testament is kind of on its own cycle. That's how they're selected. But there is always a kind of connection or theme mm -hmm. between them. Uh, and the theme is... Uh, the difference between the moral life and then uh, in spiritual theology, the illuminative way. Mm. Uh, and so like the, in the traditional Latin mass, the first reading has to do with the purgative way and the gospel with the illuminative way. Kind of similarly in the new mass, the English mass, the first reading basically tells us what to do. The second reading tells us how to do it. And the gospel illustrates that kind of illuminates it from the life of Christ. And so there's always that sort of connection between the readings that you can look at. And then with that in mind, you can be like, huh, what, what are these readings about? So that's, again, yeah. a good way to prepare for Mass. Look at yeah. the readings ahead of time and use that sort of schema. Like, this is what I should do. This is how I should do it. And this is an example from Jesus's life. Wow. For us to imitate. That's really helpful. I knew they moved around, but I didn't know the uh -huh. connection between those different phases of the interior life. And, yeah. and that's something at the St. Joe Society, we were trying to, we're really trying to progress through these three phases of interior life and seeing that in the mass um, every Sunday just reemphasizes the importance of that. And that's what God wants for us. That's mm -hmm. really helpful. Mm -hmm. Now, when we get into the a homily and into the creed, um, I mean, you get, you preach homilies. What is a, a priest generally trying to do? What's he trying to accomplish um, with each homily? Are you guys restricted in what you can say? Can you just talk about whatever you want? Yeah. Um, yeah. How's that work? Well, there is, uh, it's hard to give a general uh, statement about that because each priest kind of does his own thing. Okay. But the directive that the church gives to priests is that ideally, unless there's some special cause, the homily should be about the readings. Okay. Um, and it should explain the readings and then tie them into a kind of Eucharistic theme. Okay. Um, and so how the mystery is to be lived out in our life and the mystery of Jesus' presence among us as the Eucharist. So to 
I always try to tie a connection between the readings like I just described, and then to challenge people to live it out in their life and then tie it tie it in with Mary and the Eucharist at the end. Great. And what's so, so what's the creed then? So the father's given this, you know, remarkable homily. We're all inspired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're all inspired. What's uh what's what are we doing the creed before we transition to the second part of mass? What's that there for? Yeah, well the creed is sort of our response to everything okay. in a sense. And so you stand up, stand loud and proud, say the creed. Like this is what I believe. And so it's you've heard the word of God. You've heard the priest explain it in the homily. Hopefully he's explained it well. And then as an expression of our internalization, acceptance of it, we stand up and we say the creed. Beautiful. And how does that, how does the creed then, is it, will we call that the hinge into the second part of mass or how would we describe its connection? Are these like two separate, completely separate or how does that work with the transition? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's, I would say it's the transition area. Uh, the and maybe hinge is the right metaphor to use um, because it's not really either of them, but it connects them both. Because hmm. um, the first part is preparation. And then after that part, the catechumens, those who are being received into the church will be dismissed after the homily. And then those who believe profess the creed. And then, but the creed is the response to the first part. And then like the, the initiation into the second part. Because again, like I said, there's a connection between faith and sacrifice. So it's a summary of the first and uh, entrance to the second. Okay. And what are we doing? So we're going from the offering. So I'd like you to talk about what's going on there. And then mm -hmm. up at the, the Sanctus, of course, from a, the very layman's perspective, um, I kind of feel what's going on there. But what's happening with the offering, the Sanctus? And then how does yeah. that transition to yeah. the final part of Mass? Yeah. So the Sanctus is the Latin term for holy. So it's when we sing holy, holy, holy. And that's an expression of our recognition that we're really entering into something that's holy. So we talked about last time how the ho holiness is something that's separated from, from everything else. Yeah. And so it's our way of focusing that. It's also the song of the angels in heaven that's mm. talked about by uh, John in the book of Revelation. And you mentioned and, that week one, yeah, where the heaven yeah. and earth come mm -hmm. together. Right, yeah, right. beautiful. Yep. And so at that point, the priest often bends down and joins his fingers at the altar. And that's like the physical like heaven and earth joining right there, ah. right then. Yeah. But let me back up for a second. So the offering that happens right before that is the priest offering bread and wine. And at that point, the bread and the wine are different than they were before. They haven't been consecrated yet, but they've been dedicated. So a sacrifice mm. is a gift that is dedicated and then destroyed. Uh, and once it's been dedicated, it can't be used for anything else. So at the point when the priest lifts up the bread and offers it to God, lifts up the wine and offers it to God, at that point, it can't be just like thrown away in the trash or something. It's not the body and blood of the Lord yet, but it, it is something that's been dedicated to him. So it's all his. Yeah. Um, and what we ought to do at that point is unite ourselves to it because the bread and the wine are a symbol of our life, our sustenance. The wine is a symbol of joy. The bread is a symbol of life and strength. So everything we have, our hearts, our lives, we should unite with that bread and the wine and the priest offers it up. And then we are united to that. And then in the sacrifice itself, the bread and the wine are destroyed and replaced with the body and blood of the Lord. Then we receive that as we have offered ourselves with it. So we receive Jesus back within us. And then we are kind of transformed by that process. So this isn't just a time for us to sign our checks and hand them over this yeah. offering. Period. Right, There's right, something more right, profound right. going on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. That is, um, that is beautiful. That's that. I think we just said right there, the offering part, that's going to stick with me tomorrow big time um, when I'm in mass. Um, so we have the offering, mm -hmm. um, 
we go through the Sanctus. Now we're transitioning into what's called the Roman canon. Sure. So I need mm -hmm. you to shed light on that for me. Yeah, well, Roman canon, uh, it comes from Rome. That's why it's called Roman. And canon means like a standard of measuring. Mm -hmm. So a canon is a set thing that doesn't change. Um, and the Roman canon is the prayer that the priest says leading up to and including and then afterwards of the consecration of the bread and the wine into the body and blood of the Lord. And so at the offertory or the offering, he dedicates that bread and wine to God. Mm -hmm. It becomes holy and set apart. And then through the course of the prayer that's uh, called the Roman canon, he says a series of prayers leading up to the consecration. Then at the consecration, the sacrifice actually happens where the bread and the wine are destroyed and it becomes the body and blood of the Lord. And then afterwards, there's a series of prayers in which he offers thanksgiving and a remembrance of the passion, death and resurrection that has just happened. Mm. Um, before the consecration, he prays for the living. After the consecration, he prays for the dead. So that's an interesting um, juxtaposition there because the, the living are sort of joined to the consecration. So they join themselves to it. They're mentioned first. The dead are affected by the consecration because we offer mass for uh, the souls of purgatory. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, and there's a there's a lot of different pieces and a lot going on. But one thing that I would say about the Roman canon, because there are actually a number of Eucharistic prayers that the priest could choose from, but the Roman canon is the oldest and elements of it go back, according to church tradition and the earliest records we have, to what Jesus taught to Peter himself. Oh, wow. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's a good... Well, obviously it's good because it comes from, from Jesus himself, but it's a, uh, it's a really powerful meditation on the role of sacrifice in the life of the Christian. And so it's good to pay attention to those words, and really to try to soak them in as the priest is praying them as you're following along. Gotcha. So, I, th yeah. I thought the one thing that stuck out to me there is because you always hear it being mass a lot. People say this mass is offered for, you know, mm -hmm. so-and-so or uh, this intention. And, um, the fact that the offering that we're offered first and then for the offering for the dead later is that's mm -hmm. really beautiful, especially for people who maybe is having the mass offered for someone, just being able to meditate on that a moment in a special way is really neat. Yeah, yeah. Um, so after the canon, what uh, take us to the end of mass? So, what happens after um, the host been consecrated? What happens next? Mm -hmm. Take us all the way to the end, right. walk us out. So, at the end of the Eucharistic prayer, there is uh the great amen where uh the priest says through him with him and in him uh well, i've just forgot the words uh all glory uh to you father through the uh, yeah anyway I, <laughs> I, can, I usually read it no i can when i'm in the moment i can say it yeah uh, yeah but there's uh through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. That's the conclusion of the... Because if you did it, I was going to That's the conclusion of the the Eucharistic prayer. So then everybody sings amen to that uh, as like okay. a confirmation, affirmation of what just happened and their faith in it. And then that's what makes us children of God. So then we say the Our Father. After the Our Father, we sing the hymn, the Lamb of God, uh, that we say, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Mm -hmm. So the Agnus Dei, oftentimes, especially on Sundays, it's sung. And uh, that is a recognition of Jesus, who is the Lamb who has sacrificed for us, who we are about to receive. Then the reception of Holy Communion happens after that. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it, it's a shame that I'm going through this so fast, but just yeah. to, you know, kind of cover all of the bases. After Communion, the priest will say another prayer, which 
it always changes every week, but the idea is the same, which is a particular way of applying the graces that we've received. Mm. And so may it prepare our hearts to enter eternal life, something like that. And so the communion that we receive, may it make us one, may it prepare us for eternal life, uh, anything along those lines. So really like sinking in what, what just happened. Then at the end, the priest gives a blessing and the dismissal, which I've talked about, uh, yeah. I think two weeks ago, um, with the, the mass and what the word mass means. It's ascending. It first of all is a recognition that the sacrifice has been sent to God. And then after that, it's a commission to send the people out to the world. So Yeah. And that's a, that really that, and that's another part that just resonates with men is that sense of mission mm -hmm. and that God, we are being sent out mission to be lights for Christ in the world. And, you know, the salt and light in our communities and things, which is really great. Um, yeah. I hate the fact we have to go through all this stuff so quickly too, but we just, we're trying to just give a flyover for everybody. Yeah. Maybe next week, cause next week's our last episode already. Maybe you can suggest a, a book or something or some resources to guys who want to go a little bit deeper on these things. And we can throw that out to the guys as well. Sure. We'll pin it on the website as well, which would be good. Awesome. Great. Good. Good. Thank you, Father. Look forward to next week. Sure thing. So, Thanks, Mike. Hope you guys have a blessed week, and uh, this helps you uh, pray the Mass better. We'll see you guys next week. God bless.